0: about this message. Actually, it came to me a couple of months ago and I really have just kind of put this in my heart and kind of prepared some thoughts for you. And I really actually, I will tell you, I wrestled with this. I wanted to come preach. I'm kind of a fun, energetic kind of preacher or teacher. I'm really more of a teacher than I am preacher anymore. And I really love to just have fun. I think church should be fun, celebratory. I think it should be inspiring that you should leave here going, man, that was good. I believe at our church we try to be life-giving because I've been at a lot of churches that were life-sucking <laughs> and just pulled it right out of you. And so I like to be life-giving and I think the other thing is we like to be like I need it to be practical. Like I don't think people are trying to know and I get it right we uh, hermeneutical things and uh, homiletics and all those things. I could teach that. I've been to seminary. But I don't think that's really what we need. I think we need practical things of God. Like I know I'm I, like when I was Raising my kids, I have three kids. My daughter is our worship leader at our church. She had to stay behind uh, to take care of that, um, and I was raising my kids. I I literally needed somebody to tell me how to do this. Like I, I like how do I raise these kids, right? How do I stay married to this beautiful woman? How do I how do I love people? How do I love my neighbor? Anybody got a neighbor that you just don't want to love? You got one of those, right? I got neighbors that right that you think that God placed you in. I realize God placed me in my neighborhood at times to teach me something. And I really want to teach them something. And so but I I've I wrestled with this. I actually tried to prepare three other messages thinking, I'll teach this. And now let's teach on something about Jesus. And let's teach on so but God just wouldn't let me get away from this 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 thought today. And I want to start with the scripture in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten. If you have a Bible, you can follow along. If not, you can Read it right off the, the screen. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. The word masterpiece actually in the Greek gives the indication of the piece of artwork. That God, that, that He actually gives this idea, commentaries give the idea that if God was going to paint a picture. So I want you just to picture with me. I didn't bring it because it was a little hard to get in the cars. An easel with a canvas on it and a paintbrush. That God says, I have this idea. I want to make you into a masterpiece. And He says, He has created, right? He's created in us. Everybody say this word, anew. Anew. In Christ Jesus, so that we can do. So He doesn't want you just to be something. He actually wants you to do some things. Good things He planned for us long ago. So the Greek word is literally giving us this idea that God has this canvas, right? Your life is a canvas. I don't want to, I don't simply want to see it. I want to do some work on it and I want to make you into a a masterpiece. When God gets involved in our life or comes into our life, he says, I want to take the brush. I want to create, I want to create in your life. And then I highlighted the word anew because I, a lot of people think that God, what God really wants to do is he wants to take the old you and just kind of make a few brush marks on the things that you've messed up. Like God just kind of wants to take the brush and on the canvas, he just kind of wants mark through this or mark through that. All the bad stuff, I kind of eradicate that. But he doesn't do that. What he wants to do is he wants to create a fresh canvas, a brand new blank page. I'm not sure you heard me. Because I think if you did and you realized what I'm saying is that God doesn't take the old you and just remodel it. God takes the old you and changes it and makes it anew. And I know many of this is going to sound pretty familiar because your pastor does a great job of teaching this thought. Because God doesn't just take the old pieces of you and put them back together or the messes that you've made and clean it up. He gives you a brand new start, a blank page, And He makes us brand new. So we can do some things. Or, let me say it like this. Go back to that. You can be some things that God has planned for you to be long before you were ever created. So God is the artist and He wants to make brush strokes on our lives. And so you'll know that that when He does it, that it is uniquely Him. you got to hear this. That when God does something in your life, it's uniquely Him. So just like there's paintings that are out there that are uniquely, like you can tell a Rembrandt just because it's uniquely Rembrandt. You can tell a Picasso because it's uniquely, Picasso. and I'm not an art lover. Like if I go to a museum, I can see all of it in like six seconds. And I'm like, all right, let's go have lunch. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, and my wife like would drag me to like, we went to Washington. And she's like, hey, you got to, we got to go into all these museums. We go into the museum. She's like standing, looking at stuff. I'm like, yeah, saw that. That's good. And, <laughs> Let's go. Where are we eating? And so the, but, but it's when God gets involved in your life, it's uniquely God. It's uniquely him. Like when I see certain artists, I can tell it's uniquely them. And when God grabs the brush and paints in your life, it's uniquely God. And honestly, I'm not sure we always know what those brush marks are. So the message that, that I'm sharing today is a little bit. Maybe a little more doctrinal, but I really feel this in my spirit for all of us today because I want you to know God. I actually, I don't want you just to know about God. That's one of the things I teach Harvest Churches. We we sit there with all these people and I say, I don't want you just to know about God because many of them have religion, right? Religion has this mindset of conformity, but God comes, he says, Jesus, so that you would be transformed. Like God's not interested in just conformity. God's interested in transforming you. Right? And I want to give you some I want to give you some truths today and then I want to give you some practical. I'm always one of those guys that I just want to don't want to just leave you with some here's from what the Bible says. I want to tell us how we can make it applicable to our life. And so the brush stroke of God that I want to talk about is that word transformation that you saw on the screen. And when God paints on your life, he doesn't just improve you, he changes you. And there's a big difference. I think that people come into the religion's idea because of what religion does. Religion creates conformity, but God creates transformation. Like God doesn't just want us to start looking like some things, right? He wants to change us to be like him. This actually got stirred in my heart several months ago when someone brought up to me. They came up to me and actually said um, they were telling me God doesn't really like... Like I can have God in my life, but God really doesn't ask me to change. Like, like I can have Jesus, but I like I don't. But Jesus isn't asking me to change my life. And I said that change will never be a bad thing. And when you accept Jesus in your life, you can't help but change. Right? He can't. Like, like change isn't a bad thing. Like I have siblings that I'm praying for and they'll say to me, but Charlie, if I start living like that, that means I got to give up all these things. I'm like, listen, God, God will take care of that. All I want you to do is come let God change you, right? Yeah. right? Just come let God in, right? All he said to the children of Israel, all I want you to do is get out of Egypt, right? right? Don't do any work. Just get out of there. And then I'll work on getting Egypt out of you, right. Yeah. right? It's that transformation. And so. And cha- listen, change is never for the worst. Like if I get, if I give my life to God, what's gonna be bad? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. It's gonna be good. There's no bad change when you're in Jesus. And it's just allowing God to do something in you. I'm gonna give you three truths. Here's, here's the first one. That is that the gospel actually means change. Like I know it's the good news and I know it's the good story if you would in the Greek. But it actually means change. That's what the gospel means. Gospel does not mean religion, right? I believe Christianity is unlike any other, if you want to use the word religion, it's unlike any other religion. Why? Because every other religion, they actually require a certain level of conformity, right? So you have to pray a certain way or you have to dress a certain way. You have to look a certain way. But when you're a Christ follower, when you're a Christian, right? This is what makes it uniquely Christianity is because you cannot tell somebody that is a Christian from the outward appearance. You can only tell by the inside and what God has done by the heart. That's good. Right? You can't tell a Christian by external appearance. You got to look at the heart because God's not trying to change the external parts He's trying to change the inside of us. That's the gospel. It means change. You want to say, well, pastor, where's that found? Second Corinthians chapter 5. All of us are familiar with it, right? So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? New creation. That Greek word for creation actually is the meaning of metamorphosis. It's like this, like like it's the you are this ugly, old, black, gray, sticky caterpillar, that got wrapped up in this cocoon and you... Right? And then... You became this amazing, beautiful butterfly. A new creation. Metamorphosis. And it's not just improved, you changed anew. That's what God is doing. He's painting. The church is the cocoon, listen, or the easel if you would. I used to say, I "Now I, well, I think God's big deal when it comes to para-church ministry, if you want to say church ministry, I think the church is God's big deal on the planet. But it's not the big deal, the church, the body of Christ, the capital C, is not the big deal when we are we are just the vehicle or the easel so that He can put the canvas of your life on so that He can do His work on. i got to hear this. Like the church doesn't change you. Denomination doesn't change you. Non-denomination doesn't change you, (laughs) right? You're being like, that's why involved, listen, it doesn't change you. Being involved in the church, in the local church is important because all things become new, right? Your emotions become new, your marriage becomes new, your thoughts become new, your habits become new. All of it becomes brand new in him. The gospel has changed. Let me show it to you in story form. Um, we sang about it just a little bit ago. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. There's a man named Nicodemus, John chapter three. He says, a Jewish religious leader. So he identified him by what, how he was what he was wearing. Think about that. They knew him by how he dressed. The Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee, he came to him after dark. So he comes to, him, comes to Jesus after dark because he knew he needed to change, but he was concerned with everybody around him, what they're going to think. So I'll go to Jesus after dark. I feel that tension sometimes when I'm pastoring our church, when I speak at our church, because many at times are leaning in. They have this dilemma, though. Like if I come to Jesus, if I, if I, if I give my life to Jesus, if I, if I go that way, if I let him in, if I walk through that door, Like if I go there, right, what's gonna happen? Do I let my friends know? Do I let my friends know I won't be doing that anymore? Do I let my listen, do I let my boyfriend or my girlfriend know that I won't be doing that anymore? Do I let my friends know I won't be gossiping anymore? Right? And the answer is you ready? Yes. Matter of fact, I get on the phone right now and text them. Hey, boyfriend. Jim, I won't be doing this anymore. Go ahead if you need to. Just kidding. (laughs) He says he came to Jesus after dark. He came to Jesus to speak. And this is what he says. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. At this point, he only knows Jesus as a teacher. That's all he knows. Let me say this. Maybe some of us in this room, we only know Jesus as teacher. But I got to say this. Jesus don't want to just be your teacher. Like I promise you that it's not the goal of Pastor Steve that you come to Grace Church and you just take another deal of notes from a great sermon that he preaches. And you walk out of here and go, man, that was so good. And the notes that I got were amazing. And I'm so that's not the goal. Now, that may achieve the goal. But that's not the goal. The goal goes beyond that. He goes on, what Nicodemus was attracted to was more than just the teacher. Watch what he says. He says, your miraculous signs are evidence. Watch this. That God is with you. See, my prayer as a pastor, as a leader, is not that people know about God. I tell our church constantly, what good is it to have a knowledge of God? Even the devil knows who he is. But when do you have an experiential knowledge, the gnosco of God, that you experience the truth of Him? Right? It becomes, yeah, the evidence that God is with you. And Jesus says, if you want transformation, this is what He goes on to say, you want transformation, know, not just confirmation, then you need, he, said, he replies, I tell you the truth, if you want transformation, unless you become born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. And then he goes, What do you mean? I don't even understand what you're talking. How can I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus replied, I sure, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and of the Spirit. Human can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit can give birth to spiritual life. This is the gospel, and the gospel means change. So here's the second one. I got to keep going. And the second one is uh, the second one is that God loves us. God loves us just as we are. But you know what God is? He's too good to leave you that way. And I know all of us have heard that before. I love that. Like, I love you just as you are. So don't feel condemned about this whole thing about change. I don't want you to feel condemned. But God says, I don't want to just leave you there. And this strikes in the face of something that we've, we have to confront. I think we have to confront this on two fronts. There's two different versions out there. You have God who loves you, right? I hear this constantly. Oh, this is a version that God just loves me. Like it's, it, now, and, and, and then you have the other part that God wants to change you. And God never intended for those to be two different versions. God never did. Right, so we have this one version: God just loves me, grace, 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 grace. Do what I want; it all feels good. Oh, it just feels great. And then we have the other one where somebody will sit down across from you, put their finger in your face, and you're going to hail. <laughs> right, Oklahoma has two symbol, syllables: hail. <laughs> but listen separately. Right, you can't get truth out of that. You can't. Together, there's truth in them, right? I'll prove it to you. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The Word became flesh, so Jesus became flesh, and He dwelt he has His dwelling among us, and we see His glory, the glory of the only one Son who, became, who came from the Father full of grace and full of truth, right? The best, here's the way I describe it. The best way to say it, I'll give you this thought, and that is that grace, throw it up there, grace attracts. Like, grace makes it attractive, but truth unravels. Like, truth, actually, I say it like this, that grace invites us into freedom. Like, it it says, hey, come on in, man, just like you are. And truth actually sets us free. Like, grace says, man, come on. I love you just the way you are. Right? Just the way you are. But truth says, I'm too good to leave you like that. Right? Right? That's why occasionally God gives messages like this to confront some things. But you need to understand that both actually work together, grace and truth. You can't separate it. I like grace. And then listen, I, I know we're living in a generation right now where I like to have grace. I love grace. I need grace. I'm terrible without God's grace. I tell my people, if you knew the things that I fail at, you would not want me preaching. But God's grace goes before me. But what happens is God's grace is too good to leave me in that place where He says, hey, keep living like that. You're fine. God's truth comes in and says, hey, I want you to know me. Because when you know me, it sets you free. Right? It changes your life and gives you the hope that I've called you to here's the third one now listen before I get to that I actually wanted to look over this one This is the part of the message where I didn't want to bring it to to grace church because I know That you guys already know this, but I got to say it I would be a bad pastor and I would be a bad minister if god told me to tell you this and I left grace church And I got to heaven god said I told you to tell him that and you didn't do it So I don't want to do that. Is that okay? Yeah. So here's the third one and that is if i'm not changing I might not really know god And I put, I deliberately put the words I might not because here it is. I, it's not my job to know, right? I'm not, I'm not your, like, I don't know. I'm not your Holy Spirit. You have a Holy Spirit, right? I'm not your judge, but let's be clear. And that is that first John chapter one, verse six says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim that we are without sin, meaning that what I'm doing, God don't care about. Like I heard a, a young lady say to me, uh, pastor, I know what the Bible says, but God told me this is okay. Wow. <laughs> like for me, this is the way I like, like, I know the Bible says this, but God told me specifically, you're okay. And don't worry about it. I, I, I didn't write that for you. Basically, I had that. I had somebody tell me that like meaning, And then he says, if we claim that we're without sin, meaning what I'm doing, God's okay with it. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But but watch this. If we confess it. Right. Notice what the requirement is. Not even he's not even asking you never to do it again. He's not even asking you to go be right. He literally says, all I want you to do is just acknowledge that it is wrong. All I need to do is just tell me it's right just acknowledge it like he's not saying you're I, I I know you're he's not saying I I don't think you're ever going to blow it again he knows you are I got I got news for you if you think you're not <laughs> 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 Right it could be if you're a person like me right, we'll get into this in a moment but I'm a, I'm not the best person at 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 being patient driving no. Right Sioux Falls, South Dakota. You think people know how to drive there because it snows. They don't know how to drive there. They're terrible. I hope none of them are watching right now. <laughs> it's true. I'm always, and here's the way I look at it I'm a leader. Just let me get in front. All right. Just let me get in front. I'm a risk taker. I've had 37 tickets. (laughs) I have. Not all speeding, but you know. I know it's bad. But what he's saying is, all he's saying is, if you allow, (laughs) if you allow the artist to hold the brush, that's all he's saying. If you'll confess it, if you allow me to hold the brush, right, I'll paint over that. I'll pay no to that. If you'll confess it as being wrong, he is faithful, he's just, and will forgive us of our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we haven't sinned, we make him out to be the liar. And his truth is not in us. John doesn't give up there, right? He doesn't. He goes on chapter 2, and he talks about it again. He goes on and says, whoever, I, whosoever says, I know him, but he does not do What he commands, he's a liar. And the truth is not in that person. He didn't say grace. He just said that truth is not there. I know this is the deep end of the pool, but hang with me. He he goes on, he says, but if anyone obeys his word, watch this. He doesn't say he's conformed. He doesn't even say he's disciplined. He doesn't even say he's obedient. It says the love of God, the love for God is truly made complete in him. I love that part. That's my, probably my favorite part. That the love of God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. And he doesn't even stop there, right? He goes on, First John chapter 5, he says, In fact, this is the love of God to keep his commands. And his commands aren't hard. He's not making this thing hard. Not making it burdensome. Why is it, why is it that his compa- commands are no longer burdensome? Is because no longer is this religion. No longer is He making you do it. It's because you want to do it. So you read it different. It's the thought that God, I want to do this. Right? So many of us, we want to do what God wants us to do, and then we don't want to do the other things. Paul said it, right? And when we get to that point, we say, God, I'm submitted to your word. Now the love of God is made complete. And that's transformation. Amen. Because He didn't just make you do it, you wanted to do it. That's right. You say, well, how? How does God transform me? Let me give you three things, and I'm going to pray for you. The first one is that you have to get past who you were and focus on God, who God wants you to be. Who you are right now. I'll even say it like that. You have to get past who you are and focus on who God wants you to be. This is literally why God took messed up people and made them heroes in the Bible. Right. Paul was murdering Christians just a few, few chapters before he wrote Romans chapter one, verse one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ called. Called, called Paul, the ex-murderer. Nope. Called the apostle. Basically saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm a long ways from where I used to be. Not focusing on what I was, but what God has and wants me to be. And listen, I'm calling everybody in this room, everyone in this room to a place where you walk in a way that is worthy of that calling. He says, a Paul, set apart, set apart for the gospel, the change of God. Colossians, you want another one? Colossians chapter seven says you used to walk in these ways. In the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of the such things. And too many of us are still walking in the used to. And you need to get over on the but now. That's good. Maybe I'm talking to somebody in this room because like you've walked in the Christian way for years, but you used to be filled with joy. You used to walk in peace. You used to be zealous, used to be on fire for God, used to be a giver, used to be a servant. And you've missed, right? You've reversed it. I used to. I used to. I used to. And what you need to say is, I used to be somebody who lived that way, but now, in Christ, I've been transformed. I've been transformed. Did God, listen, did God's love ever change? No. Did God's grace ever change? No. But Paul writes it like this. You used to walk in a way that was conformity. But now you walk in a way that is transformed. Here's the second one. And that is you got to give God permission to transform your life. Here, in, Here's the thing in everything. Every part of your life. God's big enough to say, I'm going to paint on you whether you like it or not. But he doesn't play ball like that. No. That's not the way God does it. He's big enough to do it. Yeah. Right? He says, be, this is what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anybody will, right, open the door, just crack the door, I'll come in. And you know what I'll do? I'll transform you, I'll change you. Right, And I think for some in the church even, God has been knocking at the door for so long. Hey, listen, are you there? And we are just there. Oh, I'm resistant to that. Give me the grace, God. Give me the grace. I want to kind of live and adopt the world's ideas. But I'm telling you, God wants to just bring truth into your life yeah. so it doesn't just leave you in the state of grace. It brings you into a place of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so I stand at the door. And for some, he's been mo- knocking at the door a long time. Isn't it about time you no longer are marked by a wound? I pastor people who come to me and they say, man, Pastor, I was in this church and they hurt me so bad. How long were you there? About six weeks. <laughs> and, I, and I say, are you going to let six weeks define the rest of your life? Isn't it time we stop stopped being marked by the hurt, the person? Isn't it time that you don't go another year with that addiction? Amen. Wouldn't this be the greatest year if you said, I'm no longer going to go with that habit, yeah. that, sin, that habitual sin that keeps raising its ugly head in my life? I'm going to mark. I'm no longer marked by that. Amen. I'm giving God access to everything. I'm giving you permission, God, paint, take the easel, right? I've set it up. I'm giving you, God, this is Pastor Steve, right? He comes, he's delivering the word, right? God's starting to paint through the scriptures on your heart. And now you're saying, whoa, no, wait, I don't want to have access to that dark closet. Open the door and God will paint on it. And he'll create something brand new and he'll change it. Why go another year? You say, well, Pastor, I've tried what you're talking about. And it didn't work. How long did you try? I tried it for about six days. Man, what happens if you just said, God, I'm committed to it forever? No change that God brings is ever bad. Isn't it about time we said, "I don't wanna, I don't want to walk in fear anymore or anger or impatience? It's simply saying, God... There's no part of the canvas that's off-limits to you. And I know there's tough, t- tough scriptures, but here's Galatians chapter 5. We all know this one where he says the, 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 the acts of the, f- the flesh are obvious. And then he goes through and he lists 17 different things, sexual morality and all these different things. He said, and those who practice these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he goes, but the fruit of the Spirit, right? So the law was a limiter. Like, God had to go, I got to c- control these people somehow, right? So, as a controller. And so, He said, hey, I got to control these people. Somehow they're going to live life. So, I'll give them a law. And then Jesus comes along and says, I give you a law. Against such thing, there is no limitation. So, He says, You know what? A fruit of the Spirit, like, right? You start walking with God, you get the grace of God on the inside, the truth starts setting you free. What happens is you start popping fruit out, <laughs> right? So, like, God starts painting on the canvas, and it's not so much he paints fruit there, it's that as you're walking and allowing God to transform you, fruit just starts showing up. Love for your neighbor. Right? Joy in the midst of circumstances. You say, what circumstances? Circumstance is just the circle you're standing in. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. Well, peace, right? He goes through it. He says, it's a it, fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance. I'm, I'm telling you, my part, of, uh, that part, patience is the word, right? My canvas, God, is still yet to paint on that part at times. And he goes through and he gives all this. He says, against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions of desire. Meaning, flesh, get behind me. I want Jesus to paint on my life. I want transformation, not confirmation. How do you do it? Let me give you another verse. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself. That word delight in Hebrew is the word like a, a bride adorning herself for a wedding. It's adorn yourself or delight yourself in the Lord. and He will give you. He'll put the desires in your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your fruit, your right living as the light and your justice as the noonday. New Testament says it like this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desires yeah. and the power to do yeah. what actually pleases Him. Yeah. Here's the last one. I'm going to ask who's ever coming to come today for the piano or music team. Here's the third one. That is, that I think it's time that we allow Allow that transformation to begin today. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, I'll do that eventually. The procrastination of our church. Let me say this. I prepare messages at times with the thought of having moments. I've actually raised my children with that thought. Um, I have a church service. Let me say it like this. A church service can't change your life. But it can make you want to change. Now, I've, I've, I've said this in life. I've said this to people in business. I've said this to people in our church. I've said it, I raised my kids with this thought, and that is don't miss the moments. Don't miss the moments. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, but we all with unveiled faces. Meaning you don't have to go on hiding from God anymore. Jesus paid for it. Yeah, but Pastor, last night I, I you don't know what I did. I don't need to know because Jesus paid for that too. Can approach and he goes on. He says we he, like he says we we can approach God basically, unveiled face. Like I unveiled faces today. And he goes on. He says, "Behold." As in a mirror You say well what's the mirror pastor The scriptures I shared with you today The word of God The time that we had prophetically here The time of worship That God was speaking at those moments That you see in the the mirror Who you really look like He said beholding our face As in the mirror The glory of the Lord We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just by the Spirit of the Lord. I want to close with this story. There was a woman named Maria Chapman who wrote a book called A Girl With No Name. I don't know if any of you have ever read it. Born in Columbia, South America, at four years old, she was abducted out of her backyard. They put a hood over her head. They used some kind of chemical to Cause her to lose consciousness. She said she couldn't remember much in her book, but she says she does remember being drugged through the jungle and the branches cutting her arms and legs. She remembers that men ripping off her clothes and of her body and doing the things that you can imagine. And they left her dead for dead naked and brutalized. She thought someone was going to find her. And the first night she, she said she remembered the sounds of the jungle and how terrorizing it was for her. She thought someone was going to come on the second day, but nobody came. And on the third day, a group of monkeys find her. they're very hostile at first. were kind of clawing at her, biting at her, she says. But by the end of the day, they had gotten used to her being there. And they actually left behind some food for her to eat. The next day they came back and she didn't know any better. She just followed them. A week turned into months, months turned into 10 years. She now lived like monkeys, lost all the words that she once knew, eats like them, sounds like them, makes the sounds like them. And at 14 years old, she said she saw something sparkling. She was in a tree and saw something sparkling and she picked it up and she said, when she picked it up, she looked at it, it had eyes. She threw it down, she ran away. Finally, she got up the courage to pick it up again. And what she had found it was it was a mirror and the eyes that she had seen were hers and for the first time in her life she had realized and she said i'm not one of them i don't know what i am but i am not that she says she went back to the monkeys knowing that there she was made for more she says she was dissatisfied with life because she knew she was made for something more than what she was living. The rest of the story is she did get rescued a few months later by some hunters. She now lives in England. She actually says that her favorite thing to do is to climb trees with her grandchildren. (laughs) And she's pretty good at it. But what the church service, what the scriptures are supposed to do is create a mirror moment to let you know that you're made for more you don't have to be better. See, I, I wish I had time I could tell you my story. I grew up in a pastor's home. Couldn't live it. And every Sunday and every Sunday night and every Wednesday and every day we went to church. I tried to be better. And I realized God wasn't trying to make me better. He's trying to transform me. Like he was, I wasn't, listen, I wasn't supposed to be an angry teenager living an immoral life but I was I wasn't supposed to be in trouble with the law living all kinds of life but that's what I was it wasn't until I realized I was made for more that I was to stand on the stage at Grace Church and to tell people about Jesus on February 26th of 2023 that I was made for more that I understood that you know what every person in this room you're made for more and if you've just kind of been playing this idea oh the grace movement I'm just in the grace it's time to step over and let God transform you by his truth and if you've been that one saying man the truth of God you're going to hell if you don't if you do and you right don't do that then you need to step over in the tr- grace of God and let him transform you because both of them work simultaneously grace attracts us to him truth unravels us before him i ask you to bow your heads with me just for a moment Before we go today, i got to ask this question. This is my most important question as the band plays. Most important question I ask today, and I do this every Sunday, because I don't believe true discipleship happens on Sunday morning. That's just my opinion. I know that a lot of people maybe disagree with me. But true discipleship, right, right? Most of us walk in on Sunday morning, we go, man, how are you? And we speak good Christianese. Like, I'm good, praise God, hallelujah. And we really just almost wanted to berate our spouse on the way here or maybe get to the kids in the back seat because they wouldn't listen to us and really all hell may have broke loose just last night and you really aren't that well so true discipleship to me happens in the context of relationships where we have to get together and talk to each other take off the mask and reveal who we really are but one thing Sunday morning is good for you, is this question is do you know him do you know him? Do you actually know who he is? Do you Ganosco? Do you know the truth and has the truth made you free? Have you experienced who he is? Because when you experience who he is, I'm telling you, there's no greater joy. There's no greater life. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm never going to embarrass anybody. But this is a real moment where the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to your heart. And the question is is so he's knocking. And the question is, is do you really know him? Not do you know about him? I grew up in church and yeah, I'm Pentecostal. I man, I, I know everything. I'm 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 all this, I'm all in, man. I raise my hands in worship and I clap and I actually sing. I'm asking, do you know him? Like if you your life was taken today, and I'm trying to manipulate this, I'm just asking, do you know him? If you say, Pastor, I actually think I'm distant. Like there's a wedge between me and him. Here's what God wants to do. He just simply wants to remove the veil. Expose how you see and cause you to realize you were made for more than what you're currently experiencing. So nobody's looking. It's just me. And if you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I do. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I don't believe there's a work you've got to do. I just want to acknowledge that God's speaking to your heart. And you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to know Jesus. Or maybe I'm I'm, I'm distant from Him. I want to come back to Him. Anybody in this room say, that's me. Will you slip your hand up? Put it right back down that quick. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's four. Anybody else? Five, six. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, pray for me. I've walked away from God and I'm just, I need to make things right between me and the Father. raised your hand maybe didn't raise your hand just pray this prayer with me i'll help you with the words but you got to make them your own say jesus come into my life i cannot i cannot keep living this way i've done it myself i've done it on my own and it's not working so today i surrender that's the key word i surrender all that i am to you and i give you my heart i give you my life I thank you, God, for changing my life. I thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy. I confess you today as my Lord and my Savior. And I believe that you are God's only Son, risen from the dead, and my, my salvation. Today I give you my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said together, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Stand with me. Are you blessed? We're gonna have uh, Gretchen if she would come and just dismiss us this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: It's a good word. I was reminded as he was talking about. Um, I was at a
0: an event, a fundraiser event, Red Feather
1: Gala one um, one time. And there was an artist that was painting. They have live paintings during our dinner. News painting it, and at the end they auctioned it. And it went for $37,000, a painting. Now that, the price of our very first home was $35,000. I was like, whoa, right? And so, obviously that wasn't in uh, 2023. But, um <clears throat> I just want to remind you, like, don't discredit that this is for you. Don't sell yourself short and don't devalue you. Because... The one that sets the value for anything is the one that pays the price. And that was him. Not only was he the creator, but he paid the price. And so whoever bought that painting, they set the value of that painting because it was worth it for them. So just let this set in you what Charlie had to bring today and marinate it in you throughout the week. And you guys have a great week. Amen? All right. Be blessed.